a restaurant unstoppable episode 199 are you ready for it factors success stories failures and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge then join eric cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? We don't have any sponsors today. Instead, I thought I would just use this opportunity to thank you all for another great year here at Restaurant Unstoppable. It's crazy to think it's already been two years, but it has been two years, and we're almost at 200 episodes, and that's just incredible. But I couldn't have done it without your support, without you sending me those emails, pushing me forward, encouraging me to keep on interviewing all these successful restaurant professionals, and for your reviews and iTunes, anyone who left one of those, thank you. And for all of my guests, everyone who's contributed to this melting pot of mentors, thank you all so, so much. Uh, I'm so excited for the future. This is just the beginning. My goal, my next goal is to, to crank out at least another 800 episodes. I'm like, I want to hit a thousand before I stop at least, and maybe even go beyond that. So, uh, thank you guys, everyone who's made this show possible. And, uh, with that, uh, happy new year to you all listening in and enjoy today's show. It's a good one. Here it is. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Russell Davis, Russell, tell me, man, you are feeling unstoppable today. <laughs> I know I'm pretty unstoppable today. So. <laughs> oh, all right, this is our, our second time around, so I'm hoping we're unstoppable today. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't always feel it, but I know it. You know. <laughs> well, I have faith in you, my friend. Uh, we tried this interview a couple of days ago, and we were having some technical difficulties. So we're here today. We're pumped up. We're gonna crush it. Let me just give you folks at home. Uh, a couple, a couple of just details about our guest today, Russell Davis, and then we'll dive into the interview. So, uh, Russell hails from East Texas, and like so many people, he got his start in the restaurant and bar business as a way to pay for college. Russell started rising up the Austin bar scene, earning his experience and paying his dues by managing some of Texas's top bars. In 2010, Russell was a finalist for Bartender of the Year, and in 2011, he won the title. He has since traveled the country helping bar owners become unstoppable as a freelance consultant. Um, after having much success co-hosting Bar Rescue with John Taffer, uh, Russell began his own company, Unlimited Liabilities. And uh, you also have your own podcast coming out, which is really exciting. I'll let you uh, fill the folks in about that before we, we wrap up today. But, I mean, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are and what you've accomplished Russell so why don't we get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote and just take it away <laughs> well my personal mantra has always been um, you know know your own velocity um, knowing who you are what you can do in the direction that you're going I think is one of the most important things uh, in order to really be un unstoppable um, your velocity means a lot to you because of the fact that nothing is going to be able to slow you down, and you know what can slow you down. 
And, and to me, uh, a lot of people don't realize what they're capable of, and that really is what keeps them from going. Yeah. And so even even when times you know get tough or, or anything, I look myself in the in the in the, in the mirror and I say, you know, know your own velocity, Russell Davis. Know your own velocity. Uh, and, you know, and another thing that I, I love bringing up is is as far as the profession of bartending goes, is in the movie Cocktail. There's a piece of advice that was offered to Coughlin that was, was uh, you know, the, not even advice, but describing what the the job is. And it, it's, you're the aristocrat of the working class. And that's something that I took with me for very long and, and realized that we are a working class job and, and we are something to somebody. And what, what our position in society is much, much more important than what has been given credit to for a long time. Uh, and so even whenever I've won bartender of the year, one of the proudest moments was reading the, the, the headline, and it said, from Southern gentleman to San Francisco businessman, Russell, Russell Davis is the aristocrat of the working class. And to me, that was exactly who I wanted to be, what I wanted to be, and how I wanted to treat this profession. And uh, I think that anybody should really be, be understanding of how resp- respectful this profession is and how important it is to society. So Awesome, dude. Great stuff. And I love uh, – I've never heard uh, somebody say, you know, know your own velocity. And when I hear you talking <laughs> about that, it's a really a great way to kind of just say it. But to me, what I hear is just know your strengths and know your weaknesses and get in what lane you belong in that, you know, your velocity or your strengths are, you know, can go the fastest and where you can excel. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah, kind of what exactly. I'm hearing you say. Exactly. You know, and it's, it's more than knowing your strengths, because knowing your strengths is knowing your mass. But it's also putting those strengths into, into motion. And that's what it is to me, is not only putting those strengths into motion, but also knowing, knowing what you can do with it, what's going to stop you and what's not going to stop you. And, 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 and to me, that's what that velocity really is. And sometimes knowing your velocity can mean just as much as, hey, Russell, get out there and do it, or, hey, man, you need to know your own velocity. Slow down a little bit here, you know? Awesome. And if you guys are anything like me and you can't think of what I, I was, I have to, I have to be honest, Russell, I was trying to struggle with the definition of an aristocrat, <laughs> uh, but I, I looked it up for anybody who is like me and uh, is willing to admit that they aren't the greatest with words, but it's the highest class in certain societies, especially those holding hereditary titles or, or office. So um, that was really cool. Um, and it, it was well put, man. Awesome stuff. I wish I, wish I, I wish I'd come up with it, but you know, unfortunately, I'd have to attribute that one to a great man who wrote the movie and the book, Cocktail, Mr. Haywood Gould. Just uh, if you ever get the chance, the book is such a, a, a gritty, beautiful insight into the 1980s bar and hospitality scene. Um, and he's such an eloquent, amazing writer. Uh, so that's where that came from. I would love to take credit for it, but that, that was from the mind of Haywood Gould. But it is what motivates me every day, every day. I wonder if that's on Netflix. If it is, I will link to it. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. well, don't, but don't, don't take uh, credit for the screenplay of the movie too much. He had to rewrite the screenplay about 40 times, oh, really? times for, for Michael Eisner. Uh, so it's a lot different than the book. But it's interesting because the, the character in the book, the movie is very, very family-friendly. The character in the movie is very, very gritty, and I've always found myself as being this man, and maybe it's in between the two of Flanagan's. 
<laughs> awesome. Well, then I'll be sure to have the book in the show notes. Uh, all right. So let's uh, quickly just find out more about you. Uh, I mean, what would you say drives you? What is your why? What is your purpose? Why is it that you love this industry so much? Um, you know, it's, it's what I tell a lot of people. It's just kind of like why do you why do you marry the person uh, that you love? You mm-hmm. know, there's there's many things that you may dislike about them. You may many things that make you absolutely love them, but there's no denying how you feel and your passion for them. Uh, you know, it's 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 one of those things that uh, I, I I can't stop loving this industry. I can't mm-hmm. stop having a passion for this this career. Uh, for this profession, even, um, and I've never really been able to describe why. And there's been times where I've been so mad at it that I've left. I've left the bar industry two two, two times where I thought I was never coming back, uh, and I always found myself back. And you know, I've I've also been that man that uh, you know complained and, and, and said how much I hated my job. Um, but I, I, you know, these are years past, and now I'm as I'm getting older, you. Realize what you really do love in life, and what is what is your passion, and 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 I wish I could explain. I wish I could say it was this. I wish I could, it was hospitality. I wish I could say it was just the showmanship. Uh, I wish I could say it was the 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 that every day is different. You're always having to be malleable, figure out how to to deal with certain situations, but. Quite frankly, it's all of it. I love and I hate all of it. Russell, I, I couldn't get away from it. <laughs> I've said it once, Russell. I've said it once, and I'll say it again. You don't choose to work in this industry; it chooses you. It, and, it uh, absolutely <laughs> And I can hear it that. It crawls you back every time you try to get away. <laughs> so, I mean, tell me about. I mean, you didn't. You didn't choose this path. You kind of, uh, you know, just fell into it and tell me a little bit more about that uh, transitional moment when you realized that this was going to be your career and maybe some of the, yeah. the, the snapshots you know, of how you got to where you are today. I would love to say that I fell into it, but I, I really didn't, you know, I mean, I, I said it was always a way for me to pay through college, but, uh, you know, I always had this, this, this love of bartending. I was mystified by it growing up because I grew up in a dry county and, and and bars were this 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 very this thing that that you didn't know about it. Mysterious, you know, they were mysterious, and and bartenders were were even more mysterious. And uh, luckily, I grew up with my Mexican side of my family had a chain of restaurants in Houston, so we used to go drive hours to go visit them. You know, me and my cousins would sit at the bar uh, as my family got drunk and, and watched these bartenders <laughs> making us, you know, virgin daiquiris playing with us. And I used to love, like, bartenders. And when I was 17 years old, 16, 17 years old, my first girlfriend showed me the movie Cocktail, and I just fell in love with Tom Cruise. Mm. And so I had my mind made up that, you know, even before knowing which college I was going to go to, that I was going to be a bartender through college to pay my way to be a, a, a theater major. And I ended up being a theater and dance major at the University of Texas. And so... Whenever I got there, you know, I was studying and doing everything, but I almost felt like I, you know, I got a fake ID. I was going to bars and watching bartenders. I was learning all the tricks and cocktail in my dorm room and getting complaints from my neighbors downstairs who dropped the two bottles. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, when I got that first bar gig, it, was, it started out as security and, and worked my way up on this college campus at the University of Texas, the, the biggest fraternity bar. And, you know, in the end, you know, I always said that it was a way for way to pay to college, but I, I feel like I was always going that direction. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I almost just use college as my vehicle to get there. <laughs> I mean, can, is there is there a um, a moment in time, Russell, where you can sit and reflect on that you became to accept that this was going to be your career and it wasn't just a for now job to get through college? I mean, is there a moment yeah. where you say, you know, this is it, this is what I want to mo- do? The, the moment I quit college, the moment the moment that I officially just said, this is what I'm doing, and and uh, uh, this. Quit going back. That that was the moment. You know, I had gone for a few years. It wasn't, you know, I was close to graduating, but I really wasn't that far from graduating either. And and it just it, my my buddies were getting jobs with their degrees, and, and and if they were lucky, being able to work at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. And 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 I was making you know very good money as this bartender, and loving what I was doing. School was a pain in my ass at that point, and I wasn't getting the passion out of it that I wanted anyway, and that was filling the void. So the moment that I finally said, you know, I'm not going back next semester and didn't sign up for it, that was that was the moment I knew. Yeah, but I mean, uh, and I'm really excited to have you on the show, Russell, because, I mean, you're, I think, the second bartender I've had a career bartender on the show, boom. which <laughs> Gets me excited uh, because I think so many people like you. You don't just settle with just being a bartender, though. Like you, you really push yourself to bring it to the next level—not to to be a bartender, but to be the best bartender in America. Like, what drove you to enter these competitions? Why did you feel like it was necessary to bring it up the next level? And now today, you're a consultant for people opening bars. Like, at what? Like, I mean, why should more people try to take it to the next level like you have? Well, you know, I mean. A lot of that's just me. Is it, no matter what I've ever done, anything I I, I have this to a fault. <laughs> I have this want to be the best, mm. the best always, and I don't do something unless I I I am going to be the best. And so every time that I would step behind any bar, I wanted to be the best bartender at that bar. Mm-hmm. And and you know if if I was gonna <laughs> if I was gonna do anything at all, if I was gonna wrap a present, I'm gonna be the best. Present rapper there is, um, and 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 I, I I pursued that you know whenever I was daytime bartending trying to learn I would sit around and just read recipe books <laughs> uh, when everybody else would, would be hanging out or, or 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 doing stuff like that and 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 watching people and studying people and learning techniques and I, I never actually had a true bar trainer no one no one really trained me and I had no mentor. Um, which is also not just not a mentor type of guy anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I uh, you know, I, I, I sort of sit back and a little bit eccentric and crazy in that manner, and, and I sit back and study. And so once, you know, just having that inside of me is one thing, and then once once I started seeing the abilities to um, step it up and actually become uh, a figurehead and, and, and to do something, you know, then I, I just... I just wanted. I had to do it. I, it's not something I felt like it was a choice. I felt like it was my uh, my duty. And 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 top cocktail competitions start coming up, and I of course I would compete in those, and you know not always win, but then start winning and learning that, and, and then moving on to the next step and becoming the best I could at that. And then at the end of the day, I I I, I remember one of these moments of. The clarity for me of seeing the apogee of the bar industry was was just was not for just, not for me, but just sort of what I thought of bartending was standing over this busy bar that 
as these beautifully made crafted cocktails being poured out and poured into into, into people's glasses and drawing those bottles around and being as quickly as being as quick as possible, being this high volume guy, and I realized that this was this was the apogee of it. Mm. And so, if I was at the apogee of the, 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 the skills, I wanted to go ahead and go after the the best. And um, my club and bar magazine used to be the magazine I used to sneak into uh, the cooler whenever I was a, a bar back, you know, years earlier, and would secretly read this in my breaks. Uh, so I was hauling in and then go back to hauling kegs and stuff. And, and um, I always wanted that Bartender of the Year uh, cover. Oh, man, that's and, so cool. And, yeah, and I, just, I always wanted it. And, and um, happenstance, after I was doing my work at Peche and really just putting my name out there, throwing myself out there, doing whatever I could, taking risks. Um, you know, when someone said something wouldn't work in a cocktail, I would figure out how it would. You know, and... and um, Got my first, you know, finalist nomination, joint top three. Uh, got moved out to San Francisco by a good buddy of mine. Um, you know, then got another nomination, and then finally won Bartender of the Year. And at the same time, uh, the bar that I was at, we won top high-volume cocktail bar in the world of tales. And uh, uh, I was, uh, at the same time, opening up my first consulting project, the Ice Cream Bar and Soda Fountain. As soon as I opened up, it just got rave reviews um, and and a lot of international attention. And that was a challenge in its own, too, because I wanted to do something different with that. And it was originally a non-alcoholic program mm. that I did 72 tinctures, 36 extracts, and 18 syrups on wow. and brought back these 1890 styles being of soda drinks with no alcohol. And so, uh, yeah, to me it was always like <laughs> that's a challenge. Kind of, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know, and, and, and competing at the same time. So to me, it was this drive inside of me that not only did I want to be the best, but also take every single little opportunity I had and make the best out of it as well. Wow. Man, I just want to point yeah. out a few things from what you're saying. And originally, I wanted to kind of hone in on you because you live so intentionally and you, you always are trying to get to that next level, it seems like, just from doing the research to you. But you became, Absolutely. because of this, you became a person of value. Now, you have these titles of best bartender. And when you live intentionally and you always try to be a little bit better and you you can like just try to like go for those goals. And then I wrote down too just the, the power of having your goals and visualizing your goals. You said you're a young bar back and you're looking at bartender of the year. And like at that very point, that very moment, man, you like, you had that goal and it's so powerful to have those goals. But I mean, yeah, when yeah, you I mean a person of value though, like you can just do so much more with your life. You know, it's, 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 it, you know what it really is. And I believe in the universe and I believe in the, in the energies of the universe. And I'm in a very, very, very big way. Mm -hmm. And the power of manifestation is the most powerful thing that any successful person can have. Oh, yeah. And, oh, and yeah. we can manifest these things. And, and, and even those moments, it was, and that's the reason that it's kind of weird for me because I know what's happening in my life and I know what the, and I, and I put this in quotation marks, celebrity and what fame, you know, is starting to mean to me and doing to me. Um, but I, I, I still remember being that kid 
you know, in 2000, in 2003, 2004, wearing my leather jacket and all my black <laughs> clothes, going into work, crossing the bridge in Austin, going to the 6th Street to go into my crazy fucking fire-blowing bar, and thinking in my head where I would be in the future and how I knew someday I'd be able to tell this story. And this story that I was living was not going to just die with me. And uh, I feel like I've been manifesting this for a while. And and if people do that, you know, have those clear clear goals, but see yourself in them every day. If you guys are listening right now, pause this podcast, take like 30 seconds to visualize where you want to be and what your goals are and, and write them down. Just do that one thing and this episode would be worth it. Awesome stuff, Russell. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, we we got to keep going. We're at almost like 17 minutes now, and there's still so much to no, tap into. <laughs> but no, it's fine, dude. Um, i got to ask you, man, if you could just narrow it down to a handful of characteristics, traits, habits. I think we already uncovered a few of them. Your ability to visualize or to, you know, that visioning power to have those goals, to live intentionally. But what are some of the other habits, characteristics that you think most contribute to your success? Yeah, keep your head down and work hard. Mm. Keep your head down and work hard. Shut the fuck up sometimes <laughs> and just work hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's 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 what it is. More than anything is is, is no no. Well, I, I'm gonna rephrase that. Know when to keep your head down and work hard, and then also know when you need to say something. Mm. And and those two things, you know. Don't ever walk away from a situation feeling like you should have said something, and don't ever say something if you feel like you shouldn't. Russell, give me an example where you said something. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, you'd be almost calling too many people out on that level. <laughs> Without any names. Yeah, but there's there's there's. there's, there's, there's there's been, there's been times, you know, I, I, I can remember, you know, uh, uh, back in the day, you know, just even with the uh, uh, treatment with women uh, back in the day, I remember, and this is very vague, and, and I'm going to keep it vague and stuff, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you work at these bars that were male-dominated bars, and, and you know, unfortunately, getting getting women drunk was this, this part of the job, and I remember one situation where we're, you know, it's a group of guys and this one girl's alone and she's just getting way too, way too wasted. The guy thinks it's funny. The guy everybody thinks it's funny. It's not like everybody's like, you know, whatever. And then, and then one guy starts hitting on her and, uh, uh, it, 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 a couple of the other guys just kind of laughing about it. And then to me, it just like clicks on, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, mm-hmm. and just stepping up and, and being that guy that looks at everybody else. And even though I was the asshole, immediately after this happened, I wasn't friends with any of them <laughs> in the friendships. But to literally walk up and be like, you, you, you realize who the fuck you guys have become and what the fuck you guys are doing? And, 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 and literally just stop and, and stop the situation, get her home safely, and then. And then really look at the people, and, and, and it's not very easy to be the only person in a room that feels right. But if you don't, then you're wrong, and you're going to regret it. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. And while you're just talking, like I wrote down two words: courage and morals. And I feel like people that have the courage to speak up when things aren't right, and who have that moral compass, because this isn't 
I mean, this industry, if you're if you're in it for the long term, it, you have to have that moral compass. You have to do right by others. This is an extremely <laughs> other others focused industry, whether it's your guests I, I, or your employees. I, I, so, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Oh no, I, I I just wish that that was the case. You know, mm. I wish that's the thing is I wish that you had to have morals and I wish you had to have that in this industry. Unfortunately, it's it's not. It's an industry full of liars and thieves. Um, it is. It, mm-hmm. It's an industry full of liars and thieves, just by the the, the, the way of the fact that a lot of, it's a alternative uh, industry for a lot of people. Not saying that, <laughs> that there's not great people in it. There's but a lot how, of amazing how many of them that make it rises to the top? How many of them make it to your your level though? With that have a similar uh, I, level I'm of not, success as I'm you? Not talking, yeah, I'm not so, talking about my my <laughs> level, but my my level is very much a very small, small, small portion of the industry, you know. But that's what I'm saying, man. Is to to yeah. reach it to your level, to to have the success that you've had in this industry, you have to be a person of morals, with a moral compass, because those are the people that go the furthest, who create those relationships, and people remember those things. Too. They 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 make mm-hmm. impacts. Yeah, I mean, you, you, well, I wouldn't say have. I would. You should be. You should be. Because there's definitely still that 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 don't. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it, and then this is me just trying to give a a glimpse into realism. You know, mm-hmm. it, you definitely should be, and you're going to be a better man, a better woman, a better person for it, and the people around you are going to respect it. And, and and to me, it's a higher value of success. But. Uh, you know, unfortunately, no matter what level it's in, there are going to be those snakes in the grass. Unfortunately, so, I do yeah, agree. With and, you. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. So and that's the only reason I say it is because I would love to say that if you are at this level, you know, you have to be this way. But I don't want anybody to to not look over their shoulder for those others. <laughs> yeah, no, it's smart. I hear what you're saying. So we we pointed out your factors. We had you share a story of where, uh, you know. A story where this ability to speak up when you should speak up happened, but now share a failure, Russell, where you fell hard on your ass, and then tell us what you learned from that failure. Yeah, um, <laughs> this actually goes back to the moral stuff too. Uh, years ago, I got brought back out to East Texas to my home county, which is Dry County. Uh, because these uh, oil and gas guys, investors, had found a loophole in the law and were op- able to open up the first bar there. Uh, and instead of opening up a, a big-time bar, uh, I mean, a small bar, they opened up a big, gigantic uh, bar. I think, if I remember correctly, at the time, it was like a $2.5 million bar. I don't remember for sure or not. It had a $14,000 mechanical bull in it. So it was literally like, okay, you found a way to build the bar. Let's just drop this giant bar in the bottom of the Well, um, it was a really tough situation because, uh, you know, I was coming back, and they, they, they ended up wanting me to run it because uh, I was a big city bartender. This is, and by the way, this is, man, it was 10 years ago, 9 years ago. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, um, uh, uh, we we were running with it, you know, with the success. There were some things that were happening, some race wars that I had to calm a little bit. Like uh, we were having, this <laughs> is kind of crazy. We were having these just awful race wars, and I had to one day walk in like roadhouse style and hand all the the the, the, the security were perpetuating the race wars because they were big white cowboy hit guys and. I had to, to, to hand them each one of their last paychecks and tell them to, hey, this is your last day. Oh, Thanks for working. And I, I hired all ex um, 
uh, African-American ex-military uh, uh, guys who also worked on the oil rig, oil rigs with them. Oh, they were roughnecks as my security. Um, so I was able to very much like leverage out these race wars. So I, it was one of these bars that you were really having to think outside the box on how to calm things, you know? Oh, yeah. And uh, um, that worked out really well. That didn't have another race war at all. <laughs> <laughs> but we were constantly doing these things. But the, the, the city um, was very much uh, against this bar. We were going to city council meetings to try to keep it open and to keep things going. And it got to the point where uh, the police were, were, were surrounding the bar every night on the cedar routes coming in and out and any of the roads that would lead up to it and and basically pull over anybody that was coming out of the bar period mm-hmm. and um you know and and and, and it just makes it a rough situation feels business so the business started to to diminish you really couldn't do anything because the cops were, were trying to put us out of business or and um uh, uh, or the city was trying to put us out of business and utilizing the cops to do so. Well, you know, there's some weird money issues going wrong, and I, I was I was very much, uh, I was the general manager at the time, and I was very much a, uh, whenever I'm general manager, manager, I try to be very much a very a big brother figure to people, mm-hmm. um, you know, to help them out, to be there if they need me, but uh, also to, you know, I'm, I'm, Catching stuff, catching stuff in the books, but I'm certain there's some inconsistencies in some of the the money, uh, uh, specifically money that was cash handled money that was about gone to the door, which is the hardest to track. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, some uh, one kind of weird minor situation happened. Well, not minor situation. Some situation happened that made me realize with one of the owners that made me realize uh, I, this just wasn't the job for me anymore. Mm. And uh, and I noticed this one owner just being really weird with me anyway. But these two owners were best friends. And so I walked in, and, and uh, I, I, I had already put in my notice saying, hey, look, you know, my time's done here. Uh, here's my notice. Uh, I'll come pick it. Uh, I, I'm going to come pick up my last check. And, in fact, I hadn't been cutting myself a check for the, my last two checks because I was floating my checks to pay employees because this money situation was getting really weird. And I was trying to figure it out. Mm. Uh, I floated myself, uh, floated my checks to pay employees and stuff like that. I walk into the situation. Um, and then get handed a check for zero dollars and uh, basically was accused of stealing all of this money mm. and couldn't understand what had happened. Uh, and then they took the notebook that I had used, uh, that I've been using to kind of track some stuff and. Uh, uh, part of it was trying to track some of the missing money stuff, and and uh, ended up uh, uh, just looking at it and, be, and being like, I, you know, this is ridiculous, and I can't. I, I never freak out in situations, you know, or beg or anything like that. I just kind of look at people. I, I know when I'm right. Mm-hmm. I know when I do everything right, and I looked at them and just kind of said, "Ah, right, yeah, this is the way it's going to be." the way it's going to be. And I was just so internally pissed off. And that was a moment where I left the industry. I sold everything I owned, and I hopped on a Harley and traveled around the country for nine months. Um, these guys, unfortunately, went through town, uh, you know, talking talk, to tell everybody I sold all this money, uh, literally ruined my name in town. So I have not been back to my hometown since then. 
ten, almost 10 years doing that. Wow. Um, and, but incidentally, two years ago, because <laughs> I became very good friends with these owners too, which was very weird. Over the course of this, we became really good friends. Yeah. Um, but then finally got the phone call a couple of years ago um, of one of the owners who finally had the balls to call me and called me up and said, because uh, when they didn't pay me, I filed a Texas, I knew I didn't do anything wrong. I filed a, a, a Texas Workforce Commission uh, uh, filing. I ended up getting all the money back because they proved I was right anyway. Um, but uh, one of the owners called me and he, he, he uh, apologized to me and he telling me he's been wanting to call me for a while. Um, but that he, they ended up finding out it was his partner, the other owner, that had been taking all of this money oh, man. and uh, uh, blamed it on me, and then I was the fall guy for it. Oh. Uh, so, yeah, I so, got to <laughs> like, where would you say, like, your failure was? I mean, that was definitely, like, a struggle in your life. I can only imagine trying to do right by others and then have this come out of nowhere and just ruin your name. But what would you say you did wrong. Where did you fail in this situation? Uh, I, I, I failed in the fact that uh, I never, I never, I didn't, I trusted everyone. Mm. And what that means is that you don't ever think that the problem is going to come from the top down mm-hmm. as a bar manager or bar owner. Sometimes you always think it's going to come from the bottom down. Mm. So whatever people are stealing and all that kind of stuff, I was looking from the bottom down, trying to figure out everyone underneath me that was stealing. I should have been looking from the up, too. Because had, had I been looking up that direction, considering possibly had been an owner stealing, I would have been able to look at the other one and said, this is what's happening, and I've been tracking it. I hate to tell you this about your friend, but mm. didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's a first time on this show, Russell, that we've had somebody – Talk about that. I mean, you're right. For the most part, we look we looked below from like the top mm-hmm. down, and we're worried about the people below us getting after us or stealing. But that's a really unique situation when one of the owners are taking the money. And Absolutely, and, and wow. but you know, and, and, and the lesson that I learned from it about you was was that you know I always knew that I had done a good job and had done everything right and morally right no matter what everyone had thought and what was told and what was said. And, and, and I learned, and I wrestled that with that for many years because, uh, you know, no one knew the truth besides me, I felt like. Um, and, and the learning lesson for me was that, you know, no matter what, just keep on doing the right thing and the good thing and the universe will work itself out in some Absolutely. way. Absolutely, yep. dude. Awesome stuff. Great lesson to take away from that. Uh, awesome, man. Uh, so we've crushed the first half of this interview. You're an amazing guest, and we are ready to drop some bombs of knowledge. I can't wait to hear your advice, Russell, on these these questions I have for you. So let's get started. Uh, the first question I have for you is, what is your advice for funding a restaurant, getting that initial capital to get started? Uh, have the right team. Have the right team. And, and that team partially being consultants or people that can make sure that your food and beverage is done correctly. Uh, we're not living in a time frame where you can make your own drinks and make your own food and think you can raise money to do it. So you have a team of five. Let's just say I'm giving you five team members. What are the titles mm-hmm. of those team members? 
Uh, well, I mean, that's, that's, that's a little more complicated than I, than I would put it because that should be able to double it up, uh, you know, multiple, multiple. But to me, it's more of the answer is trying to, to make sure that you're investing in, you know, if you're doing a bar or a restaurant or both, the, the face, what's really going to be the inherent, most important thing is the food and drinks. So mm-hmm. just make sure that your food and drink program is up to par. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it couldn't be limited to five things. You know, you could say kitchen manager, bar manager, general manager, assistant manager, and then, you know, someone who's running all the back of the house, business manager, social management, and all that kind of stuff, branding kind of stuff. But to me, it's it's uh, much more complicated than that. Oh, yeah. But raising, raising money, it is so valuable to have a consultant or partners who actually have a name behind themselves or a certain success when it goes to the actual food or beverage creation. Awesome. Definitely. Definitely. Great stuff. So um, let's just say success depends on people in this industry. It's such a people-reliant industry. So what's your advice for hiring people and maintaining people on your team? Um, I, You know, it's weird. I've always told people that I hire people that can lie to me the best. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean I, I want to hire the person that, uh, uh, and I've, I've said this many times before, and it sounds kind of rude and weird, but it's true. Uh, and I'm not saying that I want these type of people, but this is the type of person I hire. When I say I don't, that a lie is, you know, I want that person that uh, even if they've gone out and drank a half a bottle of tequila, smoked a joint, did a light a blow off a stripper's ass, and then walked into work, and I looked at them and said, "How are you doing?" They say, "I'm doing just fine." Uh, to me, that, <laughs> that that ability to be able to look at me, no matter what situation they're going through, no matter what's happening, when they walk through those doors, they are on point in who they need to be. Awesome. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to it me, and that's, and that's who I hire people. And I can train anybody to do anything as far as in, in the restaurant industry. I cannot train you to be a certain type of person mm-hmm. and that's the type of person i want so i hire that way mm-hmm. um what was the next one Sorry. so once you have <laughs> this person yeah when you get this person that is the type of person you're looking yeah. for when you what do you person, how do you keep you them have, on your team you have to empower them so you have to give the, you have to make sure that their opinions matter and that you listen to their opinions and they see their opinions put into play it's the correct opinion you have to educate them too and you have to hire from within. Uh, uh, you know, yes, sometimes, many times, you have to hire from without, from outside of the company. But hiring within is a great uh, is a great just, just strategy to have if it's the norm, just to keep people motivated and to want to continue to do better for you. Yeah, people will get bored if things just don't progress in their lives. They need to have that absolutely. sense that they're moving upwards and there's growth in their life. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, absolutely and, and, and that being said, also to empower them sometimes it means trimming the fat of the of the others that aren't living up to the expectations. Mm-hmm. So. Why is that so important? Like, what, What's the importance of trimming the fat? Well, it's a fat cancer, you know? Cancer only grows. Fat only gets worse. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, 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 it's you don't want that. You don't want that in there. You know, if you can keep a highly motivated staff, one person that's not can make another person not. You know, you want to uh, uh, motivated people motivate each other. Lazy people make everyone lazy. Mm-hmm. Now, earlier you mentioned uh, I can't remember the exact words you used, but you have to listen to your employees and put their advice and their suggestions into play, into action. Yeah, um, yeah, empower them. Is there? Yeah, um, is there? Uh, 
how am I, do I say this? Do you have a not a system, but a, yeah, a system or a process where you where you sit down with your people every so often and give them a chance to to be heard, or is it just throughout the day you're asking questions? Like, what's your way to make sure? You're well, uh, I mean, throughout the day, I'm asking questions definitely, but I also give those those uh, those opportunities, but not necessarily like in a hey, this is the meeting we schedule, but uh, in in other meetings. So, like, I I, I was just on project in Reno. Uh, we were having the initial meeting with the staff, and I just set the staff down. I was like, okay, guys, so here's this open time. Any idea you've ever had about this place, let's talk about. Mm-hmm. And literally, you know, you get a couple ideas rolling, and everybody's rolling, and you're starting to hear this great uh, 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 breathing machine <laughs> of ideas. And so I do it that way. I try to work it into whatever else is going on organically. Sometimes it's in the middle of another meeting we got going on. Sometimes it's in the middle of a problem. Sometimes it's me pull aside somewhere and being like, hey, uh, you know, you've been kicking ass up here. What do you think about this over here? What would you do, you know? And, 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 and people, people love being asked, mm-hmm. what would you do, you know? What would you do? Because everybody's got an opinion, and at least if you listen to it, uh, they feel listened to, you know? No, and also, just to add on to that, you're not doing yourself justice if you don't tap into the minds of the people that work for you. Oh, yeah. You oh, might have, they might have an angle that you're completely missing, and what's the point of paying these people if you can't leverage the, every tool at your disposal? I think so many times. A- absolutely, man. Yeah. you, you got an arsenal of information in front oh, of you. Yeah. I'd be stupid not to be pumping every four of those, one of those bullets into my gun, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, what are some of the other challenges uh, or, you know, this, this industry is constantly evolving. There's new challenges that, that are opposing this industry every day. So what's on the horizon that you see, an industry challenge that you're preparing for or has your attention? Um, an industry challenge is going to be the overload of celebrity barking on the just that's about to start happening, kind of like what happened with celebrity chefs. Mm. Uh you know, so we we got to really make sure that the right people are are getting the right attention. Who um, are the right people? What do you mean by that? Uh, you know, there's, there's there's definitely people out there that are that that are starting to you know this bar mixology thing has happened so fast that you got the young bucks, these young kids that might win an award or something. There's one specifically that I had just met. Uh, not going to mention his name. He came out of Hawaii. He won a competition, but. Was running around this bar, yelling, yelling. He was so drunk and yelling about it, and just embarrassing himself. And embarrassing, you know, based some of us as the old guys that have been trying to be the, the figureheads of this revolution for people. Uh, you know, embarrassed, but thinking like, oh, so we worked so hard for this, so that this guy can run around like a, a cocky, pretentious asshole. Mm. You know, and 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 and. Uh, trying to maintain that, that we're not that because we have to fight that balance. You know, we, we were the bartenders for this dirty, gritty job, then it became this fancy, hoity-toity job, and now we have to make sure that it's a, a job that everybody feels like we're the working man and can do it all, and, and all of the aristocrats the working class. And, mm-hmm. and, and unfortunately... The, the the ball's rolling so hard for so many people that someone gets a little touch or something and they think they're everything and it's just very misrepresentative of the people that really are something in this industry. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah. I totally agree with you. I mean, there's there's so much pride 
that comes with doing this line of work well and and uh, uh yeah what you're saying to to take it into to you know smear a good you know a, a good career like that is yeah i hear what you're saying man i can't say yeah, it as nicely yeah. as you can but uh no, great, <laughs> great stuff um so let's talk about work-life balance real quick i mean there's no yeah. like no secret that this this industry working in this industry it, it pays a toll on you so how do you you balance work and life I mean, like and how do you make time for life just to, to well, stay sane well, I'm going to preface this by saying that I am the biggest hypocrite in the world by what I'm about to say. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to have a life outside of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I was much better at it um, when I was behind the bar uh, than I am now because traveling and everything, my life. My life is especially crazy and weird and different. Um, but but you, have to, you, have to, you have to have something outside of work. You do. You have to have friends outside of work that don't have anything to do with this industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's too many people that I see that when they get together, you know, it's like they talk cocktails, they talk this, talk that, and that's all they know how to talk to. Yeah. And you can take these same group of friends that hang out with each other every Friday and Saturday night after work and have a blast, and then you can sit them down on a Monday and say, okay, talk, but don't talk anything about drinking or the bartender in the bar industry or hospitality industry altogether. And it would be almost silent. <laughs> and uh, and I, I've been playing this game with people too. Sometimes, is, is you know, when I start seeing somebody, I'm like, "Just how are you doing? Don't tell me about the bar industry. I don't want to know about it. what's going on with you." You know, and uh, um, I think that's very important to, to do these do those kind of things. One of my one of the guys that I think is awesome is Dushan Zarik, who who. Uh, he's the head of an 86 company, employees only. Uh, he lives in California now, but he's always done a really great job of maintaining a life outside the bar with his family, you know, keeping his health and, and, and his spirituality in check. Uh, it's been very, very, very amazing, and I think that he is a figurehead for exactly what you're talking about as yeah. far as the work-life balance goes. But, I mean, um, the, the the restaurant, the bar still keeps going when you're not there, when you have to make that time to be in your life. So what advice do you yeah. have to make sure the restaurant keeps going when you're not there? Well, I mean, hopefully you've got everything right when you are there that it's going to go when you're not there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are those times if it's not going right that you have to sacrifice your right to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, putting systems in play and having the right people are the most important part. But also, don't get addicted to that, that security camera. Mm. Uh, I understand that you can access your security camera from your phones at any time and, and do all that, but people get addicted to that, and then when that starts bleeding into your life too much, then, you know, it's too much. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just too addictive. So, gotcha. you know, it, hopefully if you're doing everything right when you're there, then everything's right when you're not there. And if there's a reason not to trust that, then that seems like it's a it's a bigger issue than what's mm-hmm. going on. Got it. So what's one yeah. recommended book? Um, you were talking earlier, you are that guy that was off in the corner, rifling through recipes, cocktails. What's one book that's a must-read if you're behind the bar, maybe just a business book in general that you can share? A book that every bartender should read is The Dao De Jing by Lao Tzu. It's not a bartending book. It's a... It's a, it's a book on how you should think. Mm. And maybe you don't have to agree with everything in it, but if you, if you read this book and you take the lessons in, um, 
it'll find a bartending in, in a much bigger, better way than anything else. So, so as far as one as far as one recipe book goes, you know, there's so many books you've got there that say, you know, uh, the essential cocktail uh, by Del Groff is one of the first great ones. But to me, there's, there's books outside of it that I think really define what we do. Another another short story that I I love is. Um, in Ernest Hemingway's book, The Snows of Kalimanjaro, there's a short story called A Clean Wheel Lit Place. It's about these two uh, uh, basically waiter bartenders um, in, in, I think it's Spain, if I remember correctly, or it might be France at the time. And there's this old deaf man that comes in every day and drinks his brandy. And this one young bartender is, is sitting there pouring his brandy. He's the only reason that the bar is still open at night because he's the one customer and they're ready to close. And the young bartender is ready to get to his family. And he keeps on pouring this brandy and it's overflowing the surf saucer. And he's telling this deaf man, you know, just basically saying underneath his breath, you know, fuck you. I just want to go home to my family. But they're still pouring this brandy for you. And the deaf man can't hear him. And uh, um, he walks back, the young bartender walks back over to the young bartender, the older bartender, and, and he goes, why can't this guy, why can't we just kick this guy out? And the older bartender basically looks at him and goes, you don't understand what we do. What we do is very important to some people. And right now, this man, all he needs is a clean, well-lit place. Mm. And that was just such a... Um, uh, such a, 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 it was so, so inspiring to me, and it, it really is what I was bartending. What I think about that, so. I mean, at the core of no matter where you are in this industry, whether, whether it's front of house, back of house, bartending, managing, whatever you're doing, at the core of what we do is hospitality, and that's what I mm. heard from that story. Is that we're here to provide warmth and shelter, and just to be there for your neighbor, you know? Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll never know, we'll, we'll never really know what we are for people. All we can do is just be there for people. Mm, I love it, man. Great stuff. And I, I want to rewind <laughs> just a little bit because you were talking about this, this first book. Um, you said it teaches you how you should act. What's... Uh, Agave being is a test in pacifism, really. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Great stuff. All right. Um, so let's talk about technology. Um, I, I've learned a lot through interviewing these people that systems and processes, you already briefly mentioned, uh, you know, systems and the work-life balance, making sure you have those systems in place. But technology today, there's so many tools that we can leverage to plug into our restaurant, to have a system that is true and tried. What's one system or technology that you're seeing, maybe on the bar side of the industry, that has really gotten your attention to just be more efficient and more, uh, I don't know, profitable, whatever word you want to use? In the POS, in the point cell system? That, anything. Anything that you that you see that a tool or system or technology... Well, Partender part, part for liquor inventory has been great. Uh, Partender allows you to go through your inventory and really... Just put these pars uh, with the pictures on the on your touch screen, your phone. Um, sorry, with POS systems. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. Really love what Revention is doing. Revention is a country, uh, a company out of uh, Dow, uh, Dallas, uh, Houston area, uh, out of Texas, um, basically. And um, I said Dallas, Houston area, which are two totally separate areas. Two members <laughs> in Dallas or Houston. 
but Revention's out of Texas, and um, they're they're they've got a really great technology that's really easy to use. Uh, I'm starting to put it in all my my bars that I'm I'm doing, and uh, they're they're. They're growing enough and smart enough to start expanding in other markets to make things easier uh, for other things, you know, from from being able to do online ordering um, for, for that kind of stuff to uh, having the handheld pads. And it's, it's a system that uh, uh, doesn't crash, too, <laughs> you know, so it's, 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 it's doing that. And then on top of it all, just what they have planned in the future uh, I believe it's, they're just really creating a well-wrapped-up system that could do almost anything for you uh, uh, in the bar. So to me, I, I, I would invest in Revention. And they made a, they've, they've done a really good job of creating a, uh, a plan to make it easier for new bar owners to actually uh, uh, pay for the systems, too, so you're not putting a huge check out of pocket when you're already cashing a bunch of checks because you're opening up a, a location. Awesome. So that's Revention. I'll have the links to that in the show notes, uh, as well as the books that you had mentioned in the show notes. This is Restaurant Unstoppable slash 199. You'll find those links. And uh, let's talk about one piece of business advice. I mean, with all the knowledge you've acquired over the, the years you've been in this industry, if you could go back in time, Russell, and meet a past version of yourself and give yourself one piece of business advice, what would that advice be? Humble yourself. Why is, humble yourself, Russell Davis. Humble yourself. Why is humility so so important? You know, humility means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, but um, I, I feel like, uh, well, one, it, it just makes people want to be want to feel easier to be deal with you. But two, you know, you'll never really learn as much as you could possibly learn unless you open up your humility to understand that that you don't know it all, you know, and that you're not the shit, you know, and, 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 uh, um, yeah, humble yourself, humble yourself. Awesome. And, and, yeah. So many, so many different levels. It's so it's like one of those questions that, you know, you, I wish I could say the one reason why, uh, but there's so many reasons why I, uh, couldn't even put my finger on one. <laughs> Great stuff, man. I've asked you all the questions I have. You've been incredible. What's one question I could have asked you? That yeah. you think would have added more value to this interview? Um, that's a great question. Tell you the truth, I'm not real sure. Uh, what would I tell all these kids getting into the industry? Get out now! And <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely amazing. I love what this uh, podcast is about, and love Thank what. You. Uh, you're doing here man and keep on motivating the world around you and motivating people to to do this industry right uh you know on a personal note i fight really hard for this industry on my level you know i i i i, I care about it i care about the people involved i care about the future of it and it's great to know that there's guys like you instilling some kind of motivation and positivity in people and trying to get them to do the right way Russell, thank you very much, man. Thank you. That means a lot. It really does. I appreciate those words. And we're going to wrap up this episode. We wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. So who's one restaurant professional, whether they're back of house, front of house, maybe another bartender, professional bartender, that you admire in this industry as a mentor, as a a future guest on Restaurant Unstoppable? Uh, 
Oh, well, the man, the myth, the legend, you got to go grab Mr. Eric Castro, the man who gave me my big break, called me from, San, from Texas to San Francisco. Eric Castro is a perfect gentleman. He is the bartender at large. You got to get Eric Castro. Eric Castro, man, look out. I am coming after you. We'd love to get you on the show. And now we're going to wrap it up finally by just having the people at home know how they can get in touch with you. And we, we've got to talk about your podcast that's coming up, man. There needs to be more hospitality industry podcasts. Um, tell me more about what you and Chef Brian Duffy are doing with your, your upcoming Yeah, podcast. we're doing the, the Road Rash podcast. Uh, basically, it's eating, drinking, and traveling, man. It's a couple of guys that uh, do this for a living and talking about our adventures. We're bringing in special guests. Got luckily got a great list of, uh, of, of, of guests that are going to be coming in who are not just public figures in the hospitality industry, but in other industries, including. Um, and, and really, it's, it's, it's just a couple of culinary guys uh, talking about eating, drinking, traveling, and, and, and going around the world. Um, airs uh, every Tuesday on the 1st of January, and then from there it's going to be every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard. And we got a nice little comic book that's going to be uh, released in multiple languages that's uh, going to be coming out with it called The Road Rash Comic. So, wow, man. Get ready, world. <laughs> Good for you. It sounds like you got a lot going on. And uh, how can we connect? Oh, Let's get some social uh, media yeah, feeds or something. Yeah, you know, the best way to connect with me is uh, at Mr. Russell Davis. And that's going to be on Twitter and on and on uh, Instagram. And that's my, my name is. Mr. R-U-S-S-E-L-L-T-S-S-U-L Davis. And you can also get me on Facebook at Facebook backslash Mixologist Russell Davis. Awesome stuff. I'll have all those links in the show notes. Russell, man, you have been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the <laughs> Thank time. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. Bro. There is no questioning you are unstoppable. Need <laughs> <laughs> to hear that today. I appreciate that, sir. Cheers. There we have another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thank you so much, Russell Davis, man. You were a great guest. You just had such awesome advice and tons of energy. Uh, Really had fun talking to you today. And at one point, uh, I, I was talking about what you had to say, and I think I said something along the lines of, uh, being just a bartender. And I just want to specify what I meant by being more than just a bartender. I mean, there's a lot of pride in this industry to, to do this, this work with love and, and with uh, dignity. And what I meant by being more than just a bartender or a chef or a general manager is not just to show up every day, but to show up to be the best version of yourself, to be the best bartender in that restaurant or the best at whatever it is you're doing Bring it hard, and when you bring it and you show up every day trying to be a little bit better, just to do that, those little things just a little bit better every day, you go far, and you, you have big goals, and you, you do those things, so much can happen, and that was the point I was trying to make, and I just wanted to clarify, uh, 
awesome stuff. Great episode. If you guys enjoyed this episode and the almost 200 episodes to this point, please support the show by simply going to iTunes and leaving a review if you are subscribed to iTunes. Also, you can leave a review on Stitcher Radio. Those reviews and ratings go far away. Or just tell a friend. Spread the word about this free resource, uh, this melting pot of mentors. If you're aspiring to be great in this industry or you know someone who's aspiring to be great in this industry, share this resource with them. This is here to just show the way for the future of this industry that we love so much. Uh, So spread the word or simply use my links. Go to the resources page, the books page. If there's a product or or tool you've heard about on the show and you want to leverage that system, that tool, that process, that that whatever it is you've heard about, let me know or use the links and sometimes I get a commission and that's just one of the ways I can keep this show going and I'm not going to use that commission to go buy a a Corvette. Uh, I'm going to pay the bills. I'm going to keep this show going. Uh, It's not free and up to this point it's been out of my pocket. So any support you guys can give me will go a long way in uh, ensuring the long longevity of this podcast so that's all i have thank you guys so much a happy new year and again thank you for supporting restaurant unstoppable we, we couldn't do it without you and your encouragement and you're just pushing me to do another episode to thank me for what i have done you have no idea how much that fills me with joy and excitement just, just to show up and do another episode um so thank you all for pushing me this far and please do connect with me eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. love getting your emails love getting your suggestions always looking for that next guest so please do connect maybe if you just want to get inspired or motivated or you have a question about something just shoot me an email whatever you want to do i'm here for you all right guys that's all i have happy new year one more time until next time peace out oh i'm back yes I am back. You thought the show is over, but uh, I had to check out this movie, Cocktail, that our guest Russell Davis recommended. Awesome movie, so do check that out. Um, in the process of watching this movie, I felt a little inspired, uh, motivated to make a few cocktails and enjoy the movie, so it's probably explaining my very uh, alive and happy, I don't know, different tone. <laughs> anyway, I uh, have to confess that I had no idea what Russell was saying when he said uh, Dao or Tao Te Ching. I thought he was saying Dao Beijing. I'm not going to lie. I can't make this up. I thought he was saying D-O-W Beijing. Dao Beijing. I couldn't find this book to link to in the show notes, so I sent Russell a quick email expressing my incompetence and apologizing and asking him for the spelling of Tao Te Ching. It's T-A-O-T-E Ching. C-H-I-N-G. And it's fun and interesting, and I, I got really excited after actually reading what this this book, or this saying, or this expression means. So, uh, after finishing the book, I, I saw that I had an email from Russell explaining, or giving me the appropriate spelling of Tao Te Ching, and uh, he gave me a link to Wikipedia, where it kind of explains explains the meaning of the title Tao Te Ching and uh, Tao translates literally into the way Uh, Te translates into virtue or inner strength or integrity and uh, Ching is used as a great book or classic so the words 
Tao Te Ching literally translates translates into the classic or the classic of the ways virtue. So basically, this is a book on goodness, moral, uh, divine power, inner potential or inner uh, potency whatever you want to call it, but I'm just reading off Wikipedia right now, but I just think this is really cool because of how excited I got during the interview when he was telling the story about how he did the right thing when there were these these guys who were just after this drunk girl, and he spoke up. He chose to speak, and there's just so much to be learned in just doing the right thing, and I know he kind of uh, countered me a little bit saying, oh, well... Yeah, but the real world isn't like that. You're going to find people who do the wrong thing and blah, 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 blah. And that's true. And I respect him for giving us a glimpse of the real world. But you have a chance to go against the mainstream and to have your inner voice, your inner uh, morals. And I'm saying the people that are great in this industry, the people who do amazing things with their lives and their careers, have that moral compass and do the right thing and know their inner strength and their they have that integrity and just be that person when there's an opportunity to speak up, say something. Um, awesome way to finish up this interview. I hope you guys suck through <laughs> for this little extra tidbit. Uh, that's all I have to say. One last time, Happy New Year. Thank you, Russell Davis, for coming on the show. And I can't wait for 2016. All right, guys, have a great night. Peace out.